Reading for this morning is from uh, Acts uh, chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. And I'll give you just a couple of minutes to get there. A couple of moments. Seconds. <laughs> Acts eleven nineteen through 26. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Please be seated. Young ones, if you want to go with Miss Cindy, you can head, you can head that way. She's walking toward the back. wonderful passage of scripture that was just read for us. Hey, I don't know if you followed along close, but I've been in this passage for a little bit myself and just was blessed again just to hear it read and to watch the words on the page as it was being read. Just a wonderful passage of scripture. The title of our message this morning is Badge of Honor. Badge of Honor. Um, I was never in the Boy Scouts, but I was in the Cub Scouts as a little guy. And as a Cub Scout, you'd get those little merit badges and stuff. And you'd, if you got one of them, it was kind of like this encouragement to continue on. <laughs> you'd wear those things as a badge of honor. Well, the name Christian is a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor that every Christian carries. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, the name Christian. I'm going to get running on, so I better just stop right here and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Hey, Thankful for each one that's here. Let's, let's go before the Lord and ask Him to bless. Ask Him to be with us now. Father, thank You for the ministry of music this morning and the missions moment and those that are going into places like Papua New Guinea to spread the Gospel. Thank You for Your people. Thank You for this tapestry as it has been uh, described of believers, of people that are... Uh, all pursuing the same goal, to glorify Christ, to proclaim Him. Father, uh, may that be done now. May Your Word be proclaimed in such a way that honors the Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus. Open our ears that we might hear Your Word, be active listeners, Father, and um, may You be pleased with what's proclaimed and our response to it. In Jesus' name, for His glory, Amen. Well, what is in... What is in a name, hey? <laughs> what is in a name? In this text, if you follow it along, there's a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas is not his given name by mom and dad. His name was Joseph. Barnabas is his nickname, and it's a name that means son of encouragement. What a wonderful name to have as a nickname. 
son of encouragement. When I was born, I was my mom's biggest baby. And I don't mean boo-hoo. <laughs> um, but be, I was like, I wasn't the biggest baby ever. But for my mom, nine pounds, six ounces was a big baby. And my dad nicknamed me Bull Moose. I was this really strong, big baby, right? <laughs> it was a nickname that kind of stuck. But what's in a name, hey? Son of encouragement, what a name. Jesus had called James and John by a nickname. James and John, what did he call them? Sons of Thunder. Man, oh man, if you could have a nickname. Sons of Thunder. That's, that's quite a handle, isn't it? The Sons of Thunder. What a name. And all believers are called Christians. It's a term that was probably first used to mock followers of Christ. Meant as a term of derision, most likely. Similar to Pontius Pilate, putting above Christ, similar to, not the same, but putting above Christ on the cross, King of the Jews, it was meant as a mocking thing. Probably more to the Jews themselves than to Jesus, but it was meant as a term of derision. And Christians was a term of derision. But really, it's a term of distinction because Jesus is the King of the Jews and we are Christians. It's a term of distinction. It's a badge of honor. But what does it mean to be a Christian? It's a word that's only used three times in the entire Bible, the word Christian. And here's the first place. That word, Christian, three times in the whole Bible. And this is the first place where it's used. It's also used in Acts 26, 28. When Paul is preaching to Agrippa, and Agrippa says to Paul, you think so soon you will make me to become a Christian? That's a paraphrase. Agrippa says, you think so soon you will make me to become a Christian? Here's this man that is not a Christian that recognizes something in Paul. He is a Christian, and he wants me to become like he is, a Christian. And then in 1 Peter 4.16, Peter writes, if you suffer for being a Christian, those are the only three places that word is used, if you suffer for being a Christian, it's a word made up of two words. The word Christian, the first word is a Greek word, Christ, which is the Greek word for the Hebrew Hebrew Messiah. Yeah. And Ian, or which is a suffix, which means belonging to the party of. So the word Christian means someone that belongs to the party of Christ. You belong to Jesus. And that's one of the points in the message this morning. You don't have notes in front of you, but that'll be our final point. Christians are people who belong to Jesus. That's, that's who we are. That's who we are. So, Barnabas, this son of encouragement, in this text comes to encourage, well, he comes to check on these believers, and then he encourages them. He exhorts them in the Lord. He's encouraging them. He lives up to his name. So I want to talk this morning about living up to the name that we bear. The name that we carry as a badge of honor. I want to talk about living up to that name. What would that be like? And this is a wonderful example of a church, the church at um, Antioch. Our writer Luke brings us into a different time. Uh, we've been looking at some other things, but he brings us back momentarily to that time when Stephen was persecuted and the church was scattered. In verse 19, he, he, he does that. Look at, look at verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word 
to no one except to the Jews alone. This, this is bringing us back a little bit because we've been away from that, that moment in time here. But he brings us to this different time and he brings us into a new place where the church has gone, this city called Antioch, Antioch, Syria. I, I read somewhere there might have been as many as 16 different cities or towns called Antioch, but this would be the, in, the, in this time frame. But this would be the most prominent of those. It's the capital of Syria. Antioch, Syria is a city of 500,000 people. That's a half a million people. This is not a small city. This is a big metropolis area. They had, at night, it was the third largest city in the Roman world, first being Rome, the second being Alexandria, and the third being Antioch, Syria. They had night lights in their streets at night. They had lamps that lit up the streets at night. This, this was not a backwater place. This was a prominent city, an active city. It was a city full of pagan gods and all kinds of beliefs. It was a wealthy city. And into this city is where the gospel of Jesus Christ has come. They had a street that was four, the main, main street down Antioch, Syria, was four miles long and it was lined on both sides with marble columns. And it's into this place the gospel of Jesus Christ has come. It's going to invade this world. It's going to, it's going to come into people's lives and they're going to trust Jesus. But what does it mean to bear that name? What is it to live up to the name that we bear, the name Christian, this badge of honor that we all have? And my first point is this. Christians produce other Christians. Christians produce other Christians. Uh, someone in the last few weeks have mentioned, and I can't say the name right, the first fruit stand just when you're heading north, you come to, it's called what? Pettigill's? Yeah, I just drove by that the other day. I thought, oh, that's the place everyone's been telling me about. And I think we've stopped there before, but I didn't relate the name. But they got all kinds of fruit there. And in preparation with this message, I got to thinking about that. You know, cherry trees produce cherries, right? Uh, Brendan, Caleb, Josh, cherry trees produce cherries. Peach trees produce peaches. Tomato plants produce tomatoes. A cucumber plant produces Cucumbers and Christians produce other Christians. That's what we do, what Christians do. Christians produce other Christians. Back to verse 19 again. And this is the King James. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but only unto the, or, but unto the Jews only, or only unto the Jews. I just want to have you note this one word here to start with, and that's that word scattered. These, these Christians were scattered. They were spread out like seed. Hey, The word there means literally that. They were spread out like seed. It means to, it's, it's diaspero, to sow throughout foreign lands. They were spread out, they were scattered like seed. This is what Christians do when they are scattered, they go preaching the word to other people. Christians are involved in personal evangelism wherever they go. There's various places mentioned there Phoenicia and Cyprus, which is an island in the Mediterranean and Antioch, this major city. Wherever Christians go, they're involved in spreading the seed of the gospel. This is what Christians do. What does it mean to 
wear this badge of honor? What is it to live up to the name that we bear? To live up to the name that we bear is to spread the gospel wherever we go. Wherever we go. That's what these folks did wherever they went. They were pioneers with the gospel. And they're just unnamed people. Their, their names aren't there. Now they which were scattered, just believers that are scattered, are spreading the gospel. And they're doing it wherever they are. They're not all in the same place. They're not all in Phoenicia. They're not all in Cyprus. They're not all in, in Antioch. But wherever they go, those individual believers are doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing. And Luke is making note of that to us. And it comes all the way forward to now. And we recognize that they were all doing the same thing. This is what Christians do. This is what we do when we interact with people. This is what we do. It was happening yesterday at Rick and Bonnie's house. This is what Christians do. To live up to the name that we bear, we're to be involved with producing other Christians. And we're to do that wherever we go, or wherever we are, and why ever, why ever we find ourselves where we are. Why were they there? It's because of persecution that had arose, because of what happened with Stephen, or tribulation. This, this tribulation, the word for tribulation or persecution here, is actually an internal struggle. It, within the, in the hearts and the minds of Christians, they come to a point where there was nothing else for them to do. They had to scatter, otherwise they might lose their lives. They had to, be, they had to scatter, they had to go. The pressure brought on by external realities. The enemies of the gospel were fanning the flames of persecution, but all that did was fan the flames of the gospel, right? It fanned these people out all over the place, and that fanned the flames of the gospel. So Christians produce other Christians. And, and, and we do that as we recognize, Christians recognize the providence of God. This is something else Christians do. As, as they were scattered, look, we live in a world, we don't know what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. There's all kinds of thoughts we have about what will happen if. What's going to happen if? What's this going to look like for us as Christians? Persecution could come. What's going to happen? Well, what, what, would we, what, would it, what is it that we ought to be doing? We ought to be producing other Christians. What, what, whatever is going on, whatever the situation is, we ought to be involved with that. That's what Christians do. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Why, why would we be so involved with spreading the gospel? Because our confidence isn't in a political leader. Our confidence isn't in whether or not we come up with a, a, what do you get, a vaccine. Our confidence isn't in uh, some form of drug. Our confidence is in the Lord. That's where our confidence is. And because our confidence is there, we can be involved with the same things these first century Christians were involved with, and that is producing other Christians. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It doesn't fear when difficulty comes. We need not fear when difficulty comes. Difficulties are going to come. They're bound to come. Jesus said it Himself, in this world you will have trouble. And we've gone so long with really no trouble at all. Eh? We have, really. But in this world we will have trouble. Troubles are going to come. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. 
It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Christians are people who produce other Christians. That's what it means to live up to the name that we bear. Christians are people who proclaim Christ wherever they go, wherever they find themselves, and why ever they find themselves there. The next verse, 20. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. They were involved in personal evangelism. They were proclaiming Christ wherever they went. And again, notice it says, and some of them. It doesn't name them. These are just Christian folks doing what Christian folks do. And they're not the prominent persons. It's Jesus who is the prominent one, and they're proclaiming Him. And people are coming to the Lord. In verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So that's the first point. The second point is this. Christians are people who have put their faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is probably the biggest point. Christians are people who have put their faith in the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are. A minute ago, I was talking about what Christians do. Now I'm talking about who it is we are. We are people who have put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. When I come to faith in Christ, I didn't put my faith in myself. I didn't put my faith in my faith. I didn't put my faith in what someone else said. I didn't put my faith in some other man. I put my faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who Christians are. There are people who have put their faith in someone who can save to the uttermost. Hey, This is who Christians are. It says in, it says in uh, verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them. God was in company with them, active with them. And a great number believed. What did they do? They believed and turned unto the Lord. They re, they returned or turned or were converted to, to love and obedience to the one true God. That's what it means. They turned to the Lord. They, they weren't walking with the Lord and then they turned to the Lord. They repented and turned to the Lord. They put their faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is who Christians are. They're saved by these are people who are saved by grace. Christians are people who are saved by grace. The power or the instrument or the agency at work is the hand of God here, right? It's the hand of God. Some planted and some watered, but it's God who gave the increase. Christians are involved with producing other Christians, but it's God who gives the increase. It says in uh, verse 23 that they were saved by, by grace Well, in this way. Then when he arrived, that's Barnabas, and witnessed the grace of God, he witnessed that these people were saved by grace. He, 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 that's what he observed. They were saved by the grace of God. This is who Christians are. And there was evidence of Christian character in these people for him to point that out. There was evidence. They, they became believers and it was evident. There was something evident in them. That, that's who Christians are. There is an evidence of, of something of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. When I first came to faith in Christ, a, a year or two went by, and this, this sweet lady, Evelyn, I remember her well. I hope she's still with us. I'm not sure she is. But uh, this sweet lady told me, 
I got to share my testimony once at the church where I was going when I got saved after we weren't there anymore. And she came up to me after we were having a potluck and she goes, you know, I knew the time you got saved. No one needed to tell me. And I said, oh, how's that? And she goes, because you were a changed person. And I said, okay, she used to be such a stick in the mud. <laughs> but you just said, you, you just had this love for people. And that's what happened to me. I just, this love for people came out of nowhere. A genuine concern for the well-being of other people. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Barnabas observed in these people the grace of God. Evelyn Lurkin observed in me the grace of God. She could see this man is a changed man. I've observed him for a year, year or so or two, and now I see him and I think he got saved. And she kept it to herself. She should have come to me. Did you get saved? I would have loved that. I would have had a chance to tell her, yeah, earlier than I did. Anyhow, this is, this is who Christians are. They're saved by grace, and there's some evidence of that. There ought to be. And they're saved through faith. That's the message of the gospel, right? They're saved by faith. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Saved by faith. Not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done, but saved by grace through faith. God does the saving, but we have to we, we receive the gospel by what? By the hands of faith. We trust what the Lord Jesus has done. Say, I see that. I'm trusting what you've done for me. I'm trusting in your finished work. Look, that's not a small thing. Someone died for you? Someone died for me? Why would he have to die for me? Because, as Patrick was saying this morning, because we're sinners. We are sinners. Every one of us, the Bible's so clear, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us that has ever walked the face of the earth, line them up. Line up your favorite. All of us have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. So someone had to die because I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And so I'm saved by faith, by grace, through faith. Through faith, this is who we are. Believers, Christians are people. Christians who wear this badge of honor are people who produce other Christians. That's what we do. And who we are is we are people who are saved by grace through Faith through no work of our own. We're saved completely. Saved to the uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to faith in Him. That might be a couple of verses mixed together there. But He, he, he saves us completely. Completely. When I got saved, I knew I was saved and I was saved completely. Just before I'm coming up here on Sunday mornings, I'm praying, Lord, forgive me of, forgive me of sin. Could be sin I'm not even aware of, right? Just forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I know you're faithful to do it. I know you're supposed to do it. Not because I have some merit of my own, but because of Christ's righteousness. Because I've trusted in Him. That's it. I'm clothed in His righteousness. I'm not, I don't have it all. None of us have it all together. We're not perfected yet. We're, we're, we're being sanctified. We're being perfected. By this one sacrifice, He's made by this one sacrifice, He's perfected forever those who are being made holy. We're perfect in Christ, but being perfected in Him at the same time. What a beautiful truth. What a wonderful thing to know. Brother, sister in Christ, you think, 
wow, this last week I really had some challenges as a Christian. You're not alone. If This is the walk we have. Line us all up. The greatest Christian to the least. Still a work in progress. That doesn't mean we don't strive for perfection. That's not an excuse to sin. It's just a reality. It's just a reality. Paul even acknowledges it in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And he goes on to praise God for for the free gift that he has in Christ. For this indescribable gift that we have in Christ, which is complete forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ. Who Who are Christians? Who are Christians that wear this badge of honor? They are people who are forgiven completely by one sacrifice. There's no longer any sacrifice for sin needed. There's no work to be done. Once saved, always saved, and saved completely, complete in Him. What a wonderful truth to grab hold of this morning. There are so many distortions of of this gospel truth. It's so important to get this right. To the third, that brings us to our third point. To whom Christians belong. Christians are people that belong to the Lord. They are the Lord's own possession. Look at verse 24. It's central to this point I'm trying to make. The last part of verse 24. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And much people was added unto the Lord. They weren't added to a system of theology. They weren't added to a church by name other than the Christian church. They weren't added to a denomination. They were added unto the Lord. When I got saved, I knew I was saved unto the Lord. I trust you knew that too. I trust you know it today. You're saved unto the Lord. We are a people for His own possession. Peter writes of that in 1 Peter 2.9. A peculiar people or a people for His own possession. Christians are those who belong to Christ. Uh, i got to get back to the text we're in, right? Look at verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. This follows this point that Christians are people who belong to the Lord. Because that is the case, Christians are proactive and protective with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The church at Jerusalem heard that some people maybe came to faith at Antioch and they were going to go make sure they got the right Gospel. Christians are people who are protective of the true message of the Gospel. Protective of that. We don't need to be told to be protective of it. When we... When we hear, you know, the little radar goes off, right? You ever watch those old black and white war movies where the little thing is coming across in the submarine radar and boop, 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 and it's getting closer, <laughs> boop, 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 boop. When we hear something that, hey, I don't think that's gospel. I'm pretty sure that's not God. Boop, 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 boop. You don't have. You can be a fairly new Christian, and that radar goes off because you know whom you believed. You know who it is you have trusted in. As soon as you hear something that's contrary to the Gospel, that radar goes off. Christians are people who are protective 
of the things of the Lord, of the message of Christ. Jude writes in Jude verse 3, contend earnestly for the faith. This verse is so important. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all, for the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. I wanted to write to you and talk to you about the common faith we share, but I felt the need to write to you and to urge you to contend earnestly for the faith. That is singular, not this person's idea of the gospel and that person's idea of the gospel and that person's idea of the gospel. There's one gospel. Jude says, well, I want you to contend earnestly for that, the faith that was once for all. Not once for all, and then there's a new one, and then there's another one, and there's another one, and we better consider this one. No, once for all, handed down to the saints. Contend for that. Christians, because we are people who belong to the Lord, we are the, Lord, are the Lord's own possession, are proactive and protective of the things of the Lord. And Barnabas in the church at Jerusalem is that. Uh, verse 23, Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Or the King James, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, he seen it, he observed it. He was glad, he rejoiced. He didn't reject them. He received them and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Christians are people who have God's purposes in mind and God's plans in mind. Recognize our responsibility to the Lord because we belong to Him. We are not our own. We were bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. You know, that verse sums all this, the whole message up. We were bought at a price, the precious blood of Christ. I wasn't bought at the expense of anything I did. I was not bought at the expense of anything anyone else did. I was bought at the expense of Christ and His finished work. We can't add anything to it. And you can't take anything away from it. He did it all. So that's what Barnabas did. Barnabas comes and he's, he's true to his name. He exhorts them, which means he, he encourages them to continue in the Lord, to continue in the things of the Lord. He is resolute in purpose to do this. He encourages them to persist in the Lord. And that's a good thing for, you know, this is something else Christians do too. We encourage one another in the Lord. This is something Christians do. We encourage one another in the Lord. Uh, what does it say in Hebrews? Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more, all the more as you see the day approaching. This is something Christians do. And this is something we're doing right now. We encourage one. When we come into this place together on a Sunday morning, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. How many people are encouraged by being with your brothers and sisters in Christ? That's just about every, that's every hand. We're encouraging one another in the Lord, just meeting together, just seeing each other, just speaking the things of the Lord, taking what we see. Rick was talking about it this morning. And yesterday, I was so blessed to hear the way he was talking about it, that um, we got all these things going on in the world, but it's so easy. Rick, how did you say it? It is so easy to, to steer that. Thanks. 
Yeah, it's so easy to take what's happening politically and make a spiritual leap from the perspective of our biblical worldview to bring people, here's what's going on politically, here's the things going on in the world. It is so easy to go from there to there's a spiritual component here you need to know about because we have a biblical worldview. When these people were scattered, look, it wasn't easy. They had to leave their homes. Families were probably separated. What do they do? They go proclaiming Christ to people. Yeah, we've been scattered, but there's something you need to know. This is an eternal perspective, right? This world is not all there is. There's some wonderful things in this world, some fantastic things to enjoy. The beauty of creation, um, all kinds of things to enjoy, family relationships and all these things, but this world's not our home as believers. Christians are people who are God's own possession and are protective of the things of God, the Gospel of Christ. It says of Barnabas, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. In other words, the things he was doing by going to check on these believers in Antioch wasn't contrary to the Gospel, wasn't contrary to the leading of the Lord, wasn't contrary to what the Holy Spirit would have him do. The things he was doing by going to check on them is exactly what God would want him to have done. It's exactly what the Lord was leading them to do. Go and check and see. And when he gets there and he's rejoicing, when he witnesses the grace of God and he rejoices with them and begins to encourage them all with this resolute heart, this is what God would want him to be doing. He's doing the very thing God would want him to be doing. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. They weren't brought to the church of Barnabas. Okay? Barnabas didn't hang up a shingle. The church, the second church of Barnabas, blah, 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 blah. They were brought to the Lord. We, we have this name, this bad honor. We are Christians. Look, look what Barnabas does. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Barnabas recognizes there's so much work to be done, I can't do it myself. So what does he do? He goes and seeks a brother to come and do the work alongside with him. He's not, he's not hoarding these people unto himself. My people, my people, my people. I came and I shared and now he's nothing like that. Not even remotely like that. I, I got to get going. These people need help. It's going to take me this long to get to Tarsus. And when I get there, I don't know where Paul's at. I got to go hunt him down. It, when it says he went to look for him there, that's what it means. He had to go hunt him down. He didn't know, he didn't have an address. He had to hunt, he had to hunt Saul down. He had to go seek for Saul. that the purposes of God will be fulfilled in the lives of these people because these people are God's own possession, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. What a wonderful name to bear. What a badge of honor. Christians, those who belong to Christ. We belong to Him. And these people too, these believers, they didn't say, hey, we got it now. We've, we've come to Jesus. We don't need any further instruction. Done. No, they, they welcomed that. When Paul and Barnabas come, they taught them for an entire year. They're instructing them. They're building up that church. There's some intentionality there on, the, on, the, on behalf of Barnabas, big time. 
There's a need. There's ministry taking place in the local church. And the people in the local church, because they belong to the Lord, they know they need to learn and to grow in the purposes of God for their lives. Same for us. We know we, know we don't have it all figured out. That's why we meet together. We, don't, we, we need each other. We need each other. We, the things we learn in the Word of God are best practically applied in the body of Christ, the local church. And as we practically apply those truths, we grow. The growth doesn't happen any other way. That's how God has designed it. It's not Dan's design. It's not Barnabas's design. It's not Paul's design. It's the Lord's design. And it's a beautiful thing. Because they belong to the Lord, they're interested in the people of the Lord, they're interested in the things of the Lord, and they continue on. This is where I'm going to close. To be called a Christian, it's a unifying name, right? It's a unifying name. It's not a dividing name. It's a unifying name to be called a Christian. We've got brothers and sisters in Christ from, from every nation, every, every type of language, from all around the world. It's a unifying name because Christ is the central figure. To be called a Christian, we make Christ the central figure. We ought to make Christ the central figure in our lives. We certainly ought to make uh, Christ the central figure in our corporate worship of Him in everything we do as a body of believers. He's the single banner. Jesus Himself is the single banner that we wave. He is, Jesus is, our badge of honor. Jesus is. With that, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this church that is just so wonderfully laid out for us. Thank You for Barnabas and for Paul and for Luke writing down the even that was willing to be martyred for his faith and, and what that caused to happen even afterward, Lord. Thank You that You are sovereign over those things. Thank You that we can... Uh, we can for knowing that you uh, providentially take care of things. You go before us. Help us to do things that Christians do. Help us to remember what we are because we are Christians. We are forgiven completely, complete in Him. And help us to be reminded of the fact not only of who we are, but to whom we belong, to Christ Himself. And because that is the case, because we belong to Jesus, Help us to live up to the badge of honor that we wear. In Christ's name I pray for His glory. Amen.